Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest your Hello, Edwin. Hey, Andrew. Happy Wednesday, buddy. Happy Wednesday. Trucking through another week, and a great way to start the day is looking at the Psalms. We're looking at Psalm 32 today. Psalm 32, starting the day like that. In fact, I saw on Facebook the other day, a friend of mine recommended start the day with a psalm. So I went on and said, is this a place where I can shamelessly plug text talk? Because that's what we do. Yeah, well, that may just be adding value. <laughs> adding we value. do start, you know, we do start the day with a psalm. So yeah. it's a great time to read the word and, and a little consideration, meditation upon it. And I'll tell you, this is one that uh, is always timely. Um, you know, because we, we need the forgiveness of God. <laughs> that is the truth. That is the straight up truth. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version today, Psalm 32, a Psalm of David, a mascal. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near to you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. This psalm is a little bit shorter than Psalm 31, and um, yes. so we, we're we able to, we have the time, I'll just say, to maybe dig into some of these uh, concepts a little bit deeper. We're not trying to cover as much material. So back at the very top of the psalm in verse 2, there is uh, the word deceit. Hmm. Bless the man to whom the Lord, in the New King James, does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. It's a curious concept to me. Who is being deceived? Okay. Uh, are we trying to deceive God? Do we deceive ourselves? Uh, is, is you know, just deceit intrinsically linked with sin and unrighteousness here? What What do you think about that? Well, I'm really glad you asked about that, namely because for me— when I read this at first, it it almost throws the previous three statements kind of out the door. Blessed is the yeah. one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man who the Lord doesn't count iniquity, in whose spirit is no deceit. And that last statement can almost cause me to say, well, the only person who gets the forgiveness, who gets the transgression and sin covered, is the person who never lies, is the person ah. who's never deceived. So it, it really... It really gives me pause. What I back up and recognize, however, is, well, wait a minute. David, of all people, can't be saying that because part of his sins was deceit. He he brought uh, 
Uriah home under false pretenses. He sent him back to the battle under false pretenses. There was deceit there. Yeah, lots of deceit there. So if David himself deceived and is now accepting forgiveness, he can't be saying that the only person who gets forgiveness is the person who has never deceived. Right, right. So then I have to back up and try to figure out, okay, if he's not saying that, what does he mean? And I think I see two options here. I'll throw them out and and you can decide which one you think fits better. Either one, this is a condition for the forgiveness. If it is, we've mm-hmm. already recognized it can't be never having deceived. That just wouldn't work. It wouldn't fit with David. So what would it mean? I think it would mean that having removed the deceit about my sin, rather than covering it up, rather than hiding it, I am now honest about my sin. I am sincere in my confession. I am sincere in my repentance. The one in whose spirit there is no deception about this sin that he's confessing is the one who receives the forgiveness. Uh, mm-hmm. So can you see that possibility mm-hmm. there? Sure, sure. The other possibility is is actually this, and I think this is kind of unique, and that is that the there is no deceit is the consequence of the forgiveness. That is the person whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. So so we've got we've got a list of consequences. Consequence one, transgression is forgiven. Consequence two, sin is covered. Consequence three, sin is not accounted to this person. Consequence four, their spirit now has no deceit. That mm-hmm. is, they have been purified. The The deception, the guile, the vileness has mm-hmm. been removed. Mm-hmm. I really like that one. I, I mean, yeah. I, there's a part of me that says that, I mean, the... the um, uh, condition one, I guess mainly because that's kind of how I've been trained to think. Uh, it makes a little bit more sense to me, but the consequence one I think is really a wonderful picture. But at the same time, um, it, it does occur to me, why is that the consequence? Well, because having confessed my sins in honesty, God has now forgiven them, leaving me as this pure, honest person. Yeah. So maybe it's vague because it actually covers both things. Well, I um, I put that with the warning that the heart is deceitful above all things, mm. and I see how easy it is uh, to get into sin. Mm. And so, in the confession with the forgiveness, and then a, a purging of that deceit, I I guess I lean towards the the consequence okay. uh, yeah. construction. I, yeah. I do see it that way. I, I like that, and I I think that's a, a beautiful picture. That when I am forgiven, it produces in me a person who is of pure, honest, sincere heart. Because I was just going to say, because sin is so deceitful. We, yeah. we are easily deceived. It perpetuates with with more deception. Uh, that I believe temptation, the nature of it itself, is steeped in deception. Yeah. And so to to have that removed in the fullness of the forgiveness of the Lord and restored relationship with Him, uh, I, I see how this goes along with it. Mm. Again, easy to deceive ourselves, but we never do deceive the Lord. Part of the confession, part of the repentance is, I think, an acknowledgement of the truth, an acknowledgement of the reality, where I actually am with the Lord, how desperately I need his forgiveness. And there's just no way around that. Well, going along with that, jumping into the New Testament, the the word what we that we find very often translated confess is homologeo, which literally means to say the same thing as. Hmm. And... 
when we're when we're truly talking about confessing sin, we are talking about I am saying the same thing about this sin that God says about it. Okay. And so that's that, a powerful that's a powerful concept. Yeah, absolutely. And so having done that, having having worked through and become honest about my sins, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now God forgiving me has made me this person without deceit and guile. It's it's a powerful thing. And so so in John 147. So <laughs> yeah, I'm blessed. Yeah, and, and so, so in I'm John 147, when Jesus looks at Nathaniel and says, Behold, an Israelite in whom is no guile, he's probably not saying, Here's an Israelite who's been perfect his whole life. But rather, here is an Israelite who is blessed because he meditates on and walks in the will and word of mm-hmm. God. And when he has failed and stumbled, here is a person that is turning to the Lord, bringing his sin to God and trusting the Lord and allowing God to forgive him and make him this person in whom is no guile. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. So the thing I wanted to talk about, so that was really cool. I'm glad you asked that question. Here's the thing that has stood out in my mind is verse four. So we moved from being this person with no deceit to, okay, so I kept silent. My bones wasted away. I groaned all day long. Verse four, day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. The hand of the Lord and yeah. he felt the weight of it. Yes, it's the heavy Ooh. hand of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And this reminds me of Psalm 31. You okay. remember in our conversations last week, we we had the one episode where we talked about my spirit and my times. And where did we place our spirit and our times? In mm-hmm. the hand of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now I get to mm-hmm. Psalm 32, and David's feeling that hand of the Lord where in the last psalm he was willing to put his spirit and his time in the hands of the Lord. And now in this psalm, he's got this heavy hand of the Lord on him. And it just, you know, I, I don't know that this is super deep, but here's what it causes me to realize is that if I am going to be willing to put my spirit and my times in the Lord's hands, mm-hmm. sometimes what that means is the Lord's hand is going to be heavy upon me. And I don't want to bring my spirit and my times back to myself. I don't want to, I don't want to at that point say, no, 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 Lord. I don't like what your hand is doing with my spirit and my times. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually going to quit committing those to you. I'm going to quit uh, letting you be in charge and and putting my faith and trust in you. Uh, what, what's happening here, David's actually thankful for the heavy hand of the Lord because it's the heavy hand of the Lord that has brought him to this place of repentance and confession. And because, mm. and so th- this is why it's so important for me to put my spirit and my times in the hands of the Lord because when the Lord decides to make my times times of discipline, I can trust him that it's for my good. And that's what David mm-hmm. sees here and ultimately is for his good and his salvation. Yeah. Not only his good, but I mean his 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 blessing. His right? blessing, yes. His blessing. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. But but I will say that that um, you know, it, it makes me wonder is are these metaphors, um, I guess maybe metaphors not the word, but poetic descriptions for for guilt. I mean, how that how this is working on him is is there maybe even some psychosomatic evidence of hidden sin in the life, you know, when he talks about uh, drought in his, what is it, in his bones. Yeah, Um, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. 
I think there's some people who are critics of Christianity and they say, well, that's the problem with this religion. All it does is stir up a bunch of guilt and guilt's no good for you. Okay. So I'm glad you went to that direction after you brought up the psychosomatic thing, because I, I see a lot of people come to this passage and they bring up psychosomatic. And I, I guess what I want to do is is leave God open to work through whatever means he wants to. And, sure. and if what he wants to do is work through the means that because you feel guilt, it produces these bodily effects, then I'm okay with that. That that may be what God did here. But I'm a little bit concerned if if we just attribute it to psychosomatic illness, that because he felt so guilty, his body started feeling the impact. And, and when people come to this passage as some kind of... of explanation that look guilt is guilt is bad and and what guilt does is it produces these these effects in your body the, these feelings of guilt david does not say when i kept silent my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night my mind was making my feelings heavy upon me my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer what david understands is Whatever the physical and scientific causes that God used, this was the heavy hand of the Lord. Was his hand, yeah. He's 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 not saying, "Oh, I had a psychosomatic illness, so what I needed to do was fix my feelings and my thoughts." Mm-hmm. And that's that's the problem with just immediately jumping to psychosomatic here. This is mm-hmm. not psychosomatic, this is theosomatic. This is mm. I'm it's not that I feel guilt and therefore I have all these effects. David's pointing out I am guilty, therefore God did this. The mm. Lord's hand was heavy upon me. I'm not saying that every time a person is sick, it's because God is disciplining them. I'm saying that David recognized in this instant not because I felt guilty, my body got affected, but because I am guilty. God disciplined me. And mm-hmm. and the reason that's important is because if it's just about feeling guilty, then the solution is change my feelings. If it's about the fact that I am guilty, then the only solution is forgiveness. And that's what this psalm is about. This psalm isn't about fixing my mind and attitude and thinking right. It's not about positive mental attitude. It's not about get rid of your feelings of guilt so that you can feel better. It's there's only one way to get rid of guilt, and that's mm-hmm. by the Lord's forgiveness. And praise the Lord, when we bring it to him, he provides it. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to contemplate the forgiveness of the Lord. Uh, we're so glad that you've joined us for the conversation today. Send us an email. Let us know what you're learning from the Psalms. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. Until tomorrow, let's have a word of prayer. Our great God and Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the day you've given us, for the time that we could contemplate again your mercy and your forgiveness. Lord, help us not to uh, uh, explain away, deceive ourselves about our sins, about our standing in your heart, It's uh, standing in your sight. It's so easy to do that. Our heart can be so deceitful. We pray, Father, that we might be honest, confess, look at our situation the way you look at your situation. And trust you, Father, in your goodness and in your forgiveness. We turn to you. We want to serve you this day. Please bless us to that end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. 
You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne. Power profound. Playing with the microphone. Pop, 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 pop.